I don't know if y'all have heard about this yet or not, but I heard, got a special email telling me that Santa got a new contract. Yes, he did. And Santa wrote a letter to the southern states. I regret to inform you that effective immediately, I will no longer be able to serve the southern United States on Christmas Eve. Due to the overwhelming current population of the earth, my contract was renegotiated by North American Ferries and Elves, Local 209. I now serve certain areas of Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Michigan. And part of the new contract is that I get longer breaks for milk and cookies. However, you will be greatly encouraged to know that you will be in good hands in the southern states my replacement happens to be my third cousin, Bubba Claus. I'm not making this up now. Uh, his side of the family is from the South Pole. He has the same goal as me, to deliver toys to all the good boys and girls. There will, however, be a few differences. The Grinch will no longer steal presents. Bubba has a gun rack on his sleigh, and a bumper sticker that says, This sleigh insured by Smith & Wesson. Instead of leaving milk and cookies, Bubba prefers that children leave an RC cola and a bag of pork rinds. Bubba also, his sleigh will not be pulled by reindeer. It will be pulled by eight floppy-ear flying hound dogs. And ho-ho-ho will be replaced with yee-haw! Don't look for the traditional stocking items either this year. Instead, you will receive, instead of chocolates and candy canes, you will receive beef jerky, Vienna sausages, and a can of Spam. There's going to be a few changes. So look forward to next year at Christmas and look forward to saying, Yeehaw, Bubba Claus! Anyway... That just reminded me as I read that, you know, sometimes things change. And somebody said the only thing that stays the same is that things change. But as I was thinking about that, not everything changes. There's a couple of things that I know of that don't change. One of those that doesn't change is that God still loves you. He loves all of us. The second thing is, Jesus is still Lord. This baby that we celebrate that was born on Christmas uh, uh, 2,000 years ago is still our Lord. And the third thing that doesn't change is that God is still at work in this world. And I want us to think about that today. God is at work. We're continuing our series that we started, Open Your Heart. And we talked about opening your heart your heart to to revive your worship to restore your worship and then a couple of weeks ago we talked about the the fact of of opening your heart to God's plan and we saw how God laid out the plan to Mary to have the son of God here on earth and then we talked last night about opening your hearts to others but today I want you to think about opening your heart to divine encounters. 
You know, I believe that sometimes God orchestrates things so that we encounter someone that he has arranged because he wants us to do something or he wants them to do something for us. So we're going to think about that as we study today. And the question I raise, does God set up divine encounters? Is he at work? Does he care about us? Does he care about others? Is he at work to orchestrate something and to arrange something where there is a meeting between us and someone else? We're going to look at a story today uh, where that's just such a case. That God arranged an, an encounter for some shepherds who were out in the field watching their flocks by night. We've all sung the song. And God sent a message. Let's turn to Luke chapter 2 today. Uh, we'll begin there at verse 8. Of course, this is written by Luke the doctor. He was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. And Luke wrote the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and the book of Acts. And he gives us a story about some shepherds. And you, the thing about shepherds is shepherds were sort of highly respected. They are often used metaphorically in the Bible. Uh, they were they dedicated to their sheep. They cared for their sheep. They had concern. They, they, they dedicated their life to spending time with those sheep. But in real life, shepherds were sometimes rejected. Yes, they were respected, but they were sometimes rejected. Being a shepherd was a dirty job. It was a smelly job, a stinky job. And the Jewish people considered a shepherd to be unclean because he was around all these animals. And so they would come into town maybe to buy a few groceries or something and people would sort of avoid a stinky, smelly shepherd and try to stay away from them. But there's one good thing. God is likened to a shepherd in the Bible. Remember Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. So there was this respect for shepherds and what they did as well. It's interesting to me that God sent his message to shepherds as some of the first ones to get to see and have contact with the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Read with me this passage in Luke, beginning at verse 8, chapter 2. And there were shepherds living in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord showed round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. You notice, every time we've seen a, uh, an angel appear, people were terrified, and the angel always said, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It doesn't say, but my guess is this is the same angel Gabriel that appeared to Mary and appeared to Zechariah that we studied a couple of weeks ago. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. Angel appears. You know, the shepherds certainly had an encounter orchestrated by God. These angels had been sent by God. 
I, you, you notice it's angels with an S. Uh, for some reason, there was a whole bunch of these angels, a great company of heavenly hosts. In, in East Tennessee, we'd probably say, that's a big old bunch. Big old bunch of angels come. And notice what he said to them. You will find a baby. That's kind of saying, you guys are supposed to go look, right? That's sort of a command from an angel. That means it, it's a message from God. Now, we said several weeks ago, we were talking about these appearance of angels. They are rare in the Bible. Only, only just a handful of times do we even see an angel appear to a person. They're often working behind the scenes. Don't go expecting angels to appear to you every day. But angels appeared a few times in the Bible. And it always relates to a message about the Messiah, about the coming of the Christ. But God still speaks to us in other ways. He speaks through prayer, through the Holy Spirit. He speaks through His Word. He speaks to us through circumstance and through other people that he sends into our lives. What an honor it is when God speaks to you and calls you to do something. You know, some of you have a calling on your life. Maybe that calling is to hand out bulletins at church. Or maybe it's to work at the Welcome Center. Or maybe it's to teach in the nursery or teach the children's Sunday school or, or to just be an attendant and help uh, help in one of those classes or, or maybe God has called you to teach adult Sunday school or maybe he called you to work with the building and grounds crew or maybe God has steered you to, to work somewhere else here in the church, make communion or drive a golf cart or whatever or maybe he's called you to work somewhere outside the church at a food pantry or maybe he's using you to work at uh, Bristol Faith in Action or or uh, go down and help uh, homeless people in the community. Go work at the Salvation Army. Uh, I don't know what God has called you to do, but if you have this sense that God called you to do something, you ought to take back a step just a minute and think, what an honor that God chose me, laid on my heart, to do something for His kingdom. Maybe He put you in that position because he's going to orchestrate a divine encounter for you. Maybe he's going to bring somebody into your life that he wants you to talk to because they will listen to you. There was a young girl, April, young college student. She was a dedicated Christian. She was flying home for Christmas from, uh, from uh, Chicago to Lincoln, Illinois. A little short flight little small plane. She had a sense when she got on that God was at work doing something. She didn't know what, and then she looked up and found her seat, and God had set her beside a Muslim man that had never been to the United States before. As she sat there, God convicted her that she needed to introduce herself and talk to this guy, and, and she did. She told, you know, my name is Angie. What's your name? And his name was Ali. And he was from Saudi Arabia. And she began to talk with him, you know, the pleasantries. How are you today? How are you? Fine. 
She said, so you've never been to the United States before? He said, no, never been here before. She said, you know, we're primarily a Christian country. You, you might run into some Christians. Do you know anything about Christianity? He said, no. That was her shot. God convicted her. She pulled a little booklet out of her pocketbook that she carried for such occasions, and she began to go through it. She said, would you like for me to tell you what Christianity is all about? He said, yes, I would. I'd like to know. And she began to share what the booklet says, and then she said, well, here, I, I'll give these out. You can have this. And she took the booklet, and he began to read it cover to cover. He read the whole thing while they were on the plane. She went back to reading a book that she had brought to read, but she said, I didn't get a one word off that page. I was sitting there the whole time praying, God, let him accept Jesus. And she began to pray. And finally, he folded up the book and finished reading it, and she said, what'd you think? He said, very interesting. I'd like to know more. Well, it was time for the plane to land, and they got off and got, got into the airport, and they said goodbye, and he said, come here, I want to introduce you to my cousin. And she had a second shot, and she said, well, you, you've read the book. If you have questions, and they exchanged phone numbers, she said, I'd love to talk to you more about this. And she thought, well, my church is just right down the road, gave him the address. We're having a Christmas Eve service tonight. Won't you come? That's all I know of the story. I don't know what happened. I don't know if he came, but I do know this. Angie did what God has called her to do. She planted a seed. The Bible says sometimes somebody will come along, somebody's planted a seed, somebody will come along, somebody else will water it. She had a divine encounter that God had orchestrated. Well, let's look back at the shepherds again, how they responded. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. You see, the shepherds followed God's guidance and it led them to Jesus. They'd never heard about Jesus before. They knew there was going to be a Messiah one day. And now here he is. You know, it's one thing to receive a message from God. It's another thing to act on the message that you receive. And these shepherds were obedient to what God had called them to do. You think about the faith that that took. They had to leave their sheep. It was dark night. It was cold. They had to travel down off of a, probably a little mountain. They had to go down into the city of Bethlehem. They had to look around uh, and, and find this baby, and he was in a manger? That's a feed trough. You don't see that every day. Kind of seems like it might be an unreal story. But they had faith that what God had sent, the message that God had sent through the angels was true, and they acted on that message. I was reading this week and reminded of a story I'd heard before. Bill White is a minister out in Paramount, Washington, and he is a, a pretty good-sized church, but it's downtown, and their church had been tagged several times by gangs. That means the gangs would spray paint their insignia on it, and then the, uh, 
the members of the gang would spray paint their initials on the building. And Bill had a, uh, a very good worship leader. He was in his office back behind the stage of the sanctuary one day, and he heard the ruckus out in the back alley, and he went out a door that was shut that hardly anybody ever used, and as he went out, there he encountered two gang members, black leather jackets and, and you know, thug-looking kind of guys. You know what I'm talking about. I don't want to stereotype, but you, you stereotype in your mind. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. And they had spray paint, and they had painted their initials on the building. And I don't know, Bob, the worship leader, just couldn't take it anymore. And he looked at the guys, and he said, what are you doing? And the guys looked back at him. Bob's gray hair and balding and kind of stocky-built guy. And, and uh, they said, what are you doing, old man? What are you going to do about it? And he started walking toward them. Well, they stood their ground for a minute, but as he got up in their space, they took off running. Well, Bob took off running after them. And they ran down the back alley and ran down the street and cut through a yard and, and went across another street, went in another yard, and Bob took a dive, and he caught one of them, the slowest one. And they landed on the ground, and, and the guy wiggled around and got out of his jacket, and he ran off, but, he, but Bob had his spray paint and his jacket there, and the police caught the other guy, and they, they caught both of them a couple of blocks over, and, and justice was served. And his preacher, uh, Bill White, said of Bob, Psalm 69.9 comes to mind. Zeal for my house shall consume. Uh, zeal for your house shall consume me. That's a psalm of David. Zeal for your house shall consume me. Sounds to me like Bob had zeal for God's house. You know, I kind of picture the, the shepherds that way. They had zeal. The angels had appeared to them, and, and they wanted to go and see what the angel had told them. The text said they, they hurried off, and, ex, and, and they took off to go see this thing that the angel had told them about. Do we have zeal for God's ministry? Well, if you look on over at verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which is just as they had been told. You see, when the shepherds recognized the truth about, uh, recognized God's truth, they were changed. Something happened in their heart. I don't know when it was. I don't know, maybe when the angels came and appeared and they heard the message. Maybe when the whole heavenly host got there and, and they saw that bright light. Or maybe it was when they found the child as they had been told. Or, or maybe the little Jesus. You know, we sing that song, Drummer Boy. Then he smiled at me. Maybe the little Jesus smiled at them and they locked eyes and, and it touched their heart and their lives were changed. Those shepherds went out and began to spread the message. They went in, lowly shepherds. They came out praising God. Hallelujah. They spread the word. 
And the people were amazed at what they told them. They recognized the truth. Just what the angel said came true. Change was a natural result. You know, I've got a lot of life experience now. And, and in my life experience, I've come to realize something. That people get excited about news, about bad news. That's why you see so much bad news on the TV. And they get excited about good news. When it's just ordinary, everyday news, nobody gets excited about that. But we get excited about bad news, we get excited about good news, right? I mean, if you go to the doctor, and the doctor looks at you, and he says, wow, we got to do a bunch of more tests. Well, first of all, if you go and the doctor says, it's your annual checkup, everything's fine, see you next year. See my secretary, she'll make you an appointment. You don't go home and get excited. I don't even tell my wife if he said that. She may ask. I'm not trying to hide it, but I'm not excited. Just ordinary, everything's okay. But if he says, oh, we got to run tests, got to have x-rays, CT scan, blood work, all this, you go home, you say, man, that doctor's crazy. I'm going to find another doctor. We, get, we start calling friends, y'all pray. Or if you've had an illness and you go to the doctor and the doctor says, Everything's fine. You're good. You're healed. Then you go home and you call everybody. You go to church and you say, it's a miracle. And we get excited. We get excited about good news. We get excited about bad news. Nothing happens to ordinary news. I got bad news. Bad news is this world is a wreck. It is full of sin and degradation. And there are people probably living on your street that are going to die and never see the light of heaven because of the sin in their life. I got good news. Good news is this little baby born at Jesus, he come to be our Savior because he came and he died on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sins and by believing in Him, our sins are wiped out, forgiven, and we are restored into a good relationship with God. And when we die, we get to spend eternity with God in heaven. It's a good news, bad news situation. You know the good news? The angel said it today in the town of David. A Savior has been born. He is the Christ the Lord. In another place, he said, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from all their sins. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Because of this little baby that came to grow up to be a man, to be our Lord and Savior. The shepherds took that message out to the people. A Savior has been born. We all need to hear that message. We all need to share that message as we go about our lives. You see, God will orchestrate a divine appointment for you too to give you opportunity to tell somebody. You just have to pay attention to what God's doing in your life because that bad news, good news scenario, well, people really need to hear that 
And our connection today is that when we open our hearts to divine encounters, God is glorified and we will likely find ourselves praising him when we come out of that. You know, whenever we do anything, when we serve God or when we uh, honor him some way, when we worship him, when we represent him, when we promote him in a positive way, he is, he is glorified. And he's going to always put opportunities in our lives to do that. He's going to always put opportunities in our lives for divine encounters, just like he did with Angie on that plane. Angie said this, This is why I love being a Christian. It's heart-pounding, scary at times. It's exhilarating. When I see someone that I know Jesus wants to come to him, and I have a choice to step out in faith or to stay in security. What would you do? Angie did what God called her to do. You know, when we open our hearts, God goes to work. And through this series, we've learned that God, if we will open our hearts, He wants to bring spiritual restoration. He has a plan for us. He he wants us to encounter others and He wants us to share the message in some of those divine encounters. And maybe you will find your heart pounding, but the experience will be exhilarating and you will be changed and you will find yourself in joy, praising God, just like the shepherds did that first Christmas day. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for the many stories that you have given us in this Bible. We believe they're all true. We believe you have put those stories there to encourage us to be like the people we read about. And so I pray today that you would help us to be as the lowly shepherd, those that dedicated their life to taking care of the sheep, who knows what kind of sheep you're going to put in our lives as we go about our business. Just let us be a light that shines on you. It shows people the love and the care and the grace and the mercy and the hope that you have. Because as we go out in this world and take that hope to people, we know that hope changes everything. So help us to be those people. Jesus' name, I pray and praise.